Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. to a new place it's like um it's like putting on a new pair of shoes right i mean it feels a little weird at first right and you got to break it in just a little bit i feel kind of strange because usually it's the opposite way you guys are like looking staring down on me you know and you got a little desk in front of you and all those and i didn't notice you guys did a great job of like finding your new place right that's what you do where's where's my seat going to be right and all those kind of things um so cole and tony are going to be our av people (laughs) sitting perfect right um uh, so so yeah i mean there's a lot to get used to i mean this is kind of every for for me i don't know if you're like this um how, how many people here like you just you have a routine that you like is there a lot of us here okay yeah i like it like listen for for my entire life as a Christian, outside of like, how many months were we here when we first moved? But like, when, but by the time I got here in January, what, like three months? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so when we moved here, I mean, I haven't moved here, well, we were like three months in here and then we moved back to the Madrid. so for my entire life as a Christian, I have gone to church in the morning. And so, it, it, you know, I woke up this morning and it was great because, you know, you could wake up and you kind of have your routine, but it just felt weird. Right. It just felt like, what's wrong? Like, should I be doing other things? Like, is it okay to do things? Right. Is it okay? Can I go to the coffee shop? Can I go out to breakfast? Can I go? You know, because, you know, everyone's sitting in these places going, those dudes ain't Christians. (laughs) No, no way. Right. So, you know, it's like, goodness gracious, man. And then knew I had a you know, so the presentation I had, obviously, is not going to go up there. We're going to work it out. We're going to get all that taken care of. And we'll have our song words up there and all those things. But it's just kind of like these little new kind of things that we're breaking in. So uh, hopefully you just be patient with that. Right. No, I could do that. But then I wouldn't be able to see the screen. <laughs> right. Listen. My act is a very finely tuned act, okay? <laughs> Got chairs up here. Let me tell you, as I love a bar stool up on the top of the thing. I'm telling you, man, I think for how long, like actually at Madrin, man, I, I rocked that high chair for four or five months right there. It was great. That, that uh, you know, styles go in and out in church, you know? That was the thing. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Renewal, we're still in that. We're in the last couple weeks of the year. But we're talking about renewal through solitude is what we're going to talk about today. And um, why is that important? Well, what does it mean to, be, to have some solitude or to find solitude? Is that you go away somewhere alone, right? Um, that you're away from people and away from things, okay? This is really like a, like a powerful theme throughout the Bible, and for us, for me and you, it's probably fairly like um, foreign. It's probably very, fairly foreign because you would go, man, you mean if you're in retreat or in solitude or you're pulling back, well, that must like what's wrong with your spiritual life? 
Like, like, how can you go out and do things if you're, like, going back and being alone? Isn't that, like, the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing as disciples? Right? I mean, because what we hear and what I preach and what I teach and what makes sense to me oftentimes is go, 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 go. All right? And that mentality alone will get us all in a ton of trouble spiritually. All right? I find my own spiritual life, when I, when I am someone that, that is going, is that it starts deteriorating over time, like my spiritual life does. And then it's just like, man, you know, what the heck just happened? Like, I just feel, I can feel really, really just, um, just out of, just out of sorts spiritually, you know, and just not feeling filled up and kind of just going through the motions and these things. And so to me, this may be one of the most important lessons we've had in our entire year is this idea of gaining renewal through solitude okay and now if you're everybody's got this different personality type some of you guys right now are going yes this is the greatest thing in the world finally we're talking about and then there's others nothing scares you more than solitude and silence and being alone by yourself and being somewhere without noise coming in have you ever been somewhere where there was no noise except it was almost like you could hear your ears like ringing a little bit? Right? Right? That's our nervous system, okay? That's like our, we're so amped up on everything that all of a sudden when there's no stimulation, it's like, what the heck? It's so, we're just so like wrapped around this kind of like worldly axle, right? And this, again, may be one of the most important lessons we hear, okay? Um, again, solitude's not about being alone. Here's what we're trying to do is we're trying to leave room to hear God's voice. We're trying to leave room to experience God in a way that we will then be able to follow his will. All right. Like this is very specific. Okay. It isn't just going, okay, as a church, go away. So I'm going to sit on the beach. No, 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 no. We're, We're talking about we want to leave room to hear God's voice. Okay, we want to hear God. We want to hear him talk to us. We're going to read a few passages about people that experience solitude through the scriptures. We read two scriptures. Lucas read two scriptures. Um, and here's what's interesting. When we read, when you hear things like in Psalm 46, 10, and read the entirety of that psalm. I mean, we're just kind of pulling this right out, which psalms is a little bit easier to do that with. Um, but he says, be still. Some of your verses might say, some of your versions of Bible might say like, like stop fighting. Some of your versions of the Bible may be like, stop striving and know that I'm God. It's this idea of, hey, stop. There's something that I've, that I kind of, when I'm sharing with people, and we talk about this verse Almost universally, people are like, that feels great. Like, that would be awesome. Be still and know I'm God. All right, that's just one of those we have to just kind of sit in for a second. Be still and know I'm God. In Psalm 62, yes, my soul, find rest in God. All right, y'all finish finals. Everybody else, kind of, you didn't have finals, but we're in the holiday season, okay? And there's something about being kind of like wound up and you hear, man, let my soul rest in God. Isn't that a good thing? Doesn't that just feel like, man, that sounds like a really neat thing, all right? Let me tell you what my brain does. Oftentimes when I hear this, that'd be a really neat thing if I had time to do that. (laughs) Man, that'd be awesome if I had time to do that. It'd be great to be still and know that I'm God, if I had time to do it, 
right? Do you see the problem there, kind of what we do here with ourselves? So there's four things that I'm going to kind of walk us through the narrative of the Bible, okay? And there are four specific areas that I saw of where God had taken people and put them in a place of solitude, all right? That it took them to an alone place. And there were really, and this is just my own kind of like organizational plan, there was unplanned solitude, there was unjust solitude, there was spirit-led solitude, and there was intentional solitude, Okay? So, again, unplanned, unjust, spirit-led, and intentional, all right? And we're going to kind of go through and get an idea, all right? And what I want you to be thinking of as we're doing this is, okay, what can this look like in my life, all right? Now, the first three that we're talking about, the unplanned, the unjust, and the spirit-led, we don't have any control over, all right? Ho hopefully just sharing about this, it allows us to go, okay, maybe I'm in this season and I need to be equipped, to like live in this season right now, um, or maybe not. The fourth one is something, this intentional solitude that we'll dig into a little bit as well. So this unplanned solitude, turn over to Genesis chapter 32. All right, Genesis chapter 32. So if you're familiar with the book of Genesis, this is, this is God, and, and he's starting his people. It is what we learn about the patriarchs of the faith, of the Hebrew faith, right? Is this idea. And so we, we meet Jacob here. And do you remember another name that Jacob was known as? What was he known as? Israel, right? Okay, we're going to learn that where he got that here. Genesis 32. Okay, we're going to start in verse 24. And so let me, let me give you just a tiny bit of, of, of backup on this to let you know what's going on. So Jacob and his brother Esau, if you want to read about really some dysfunctional family life, if you, if you think that the Bible just talks about like the families that are perfect and the families that do no wrong and the families that always are like just everything is always on straight, you have not read the Bible. Okay, because God, I mean, the, Jesus comes through a lineage of complete dysfunction. And Jacob and Esau, these two brothers, man, they had some major dysfunction early, okay? And Jacob was this kind of like crafty guy that essentially stole Esau's birthright, you know, and did all these things. Well, he hears now that Esau's like coming, like after years has found him, all right? And Jacob's got all his people, and Esau's got all his people, and he hears Esau's coming, Right. And so he's he's scared and he's coming up with this strategic plan for his people because he assumes Esau is going to come and, and kill them. Right. And so in verse 24, um, it says that Jacob was left alone. So after he like had all his family's plan, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. Well, what's your name? The man asked, Jacob. He replied, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have, been, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked me, please tell me your name. And he answered, why do you ask me my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, he said, and I've been delivered. 
The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip, of course. That is why to this day the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle. That's at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. So that's crazy. That's a little bit of information you may not have known. You're like, man, I didn't even realize this. Okay. Tony's going, I could rehab him, though. I could make him feel all better. Um, But so you have this idea of this is this unplanned thing. This wasn't like Jacob was like, let me go and get some solitude to get my heart right and my head right with God. It's this idea of he's scared to death. And there was this unplanned kind of level. God said, I'm leaving him alone. Right. And what's interesting about this, the questions that come to mind is, well, who is this guy? And why did Jacob later say that he wrestled with God because he saw God face to face? And it's all of this kind of weird kind of thing right here. And I want you to look at, um, in verse 28, your name, as he's wrestling, he said he wrestled with him all night. And he said, your name won't be Jacob anymore. It'll be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. All right. There's this aspect of, an, uh, of unplanned solitude where what it's about is just wrestling with God. It's this idea of, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know. Maybe it's a season of just complete fear. Or like, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know. I didn't plan this. I didn't look for this. But here I am. I feel like I'm alone. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't feel well. Right? And it's this idea of wrestling. Well, wrestling about what? Wrestling Jacob with, Jacob was wrestling with like, here's who I am. And here's this guy who's trying to hurt me. And I'm trying to like figure this out. All right. Thankfully that we don't have those physical wrestling matches with God anymore or with this guy that God sent or whatever it is. But all of us have in some way, shape or form found us in a season or in a place where we felt like I didn't plan for this. And I don't know what to do, but I know it's just like what I want to do is something different than what I feel God wants me to do. Right. And there's just like this wrestling match here. OK. Of what's going on. There's one other one I want to point you to in First Kings 19. So a little bit further over to your right. First Kings 19. And um, th- this is a this is awesome. This is such a cool story with Elijah. But again, there's this unplanned like season of solitude here. So we're coming off just from from like a biblical narrative from part of this story. What we're coming off of is Elijah has just been like he has gone into battle with with Baal's prophets, like the bad guys. All right. Elijah has come with him and Elijah has seen these amazing miracles. Right. He's seen God like do crazy things to show. I mean, it's something where for us to see God working that powerfully, we would think we would never be scared again. Right. I mean, he sees, saw some just amazing things. And you can go ahead and read about that. But in First Kings chapter 19, um, Jezebel, and you may be familiar with that name, Jezebel. Right. Ahab's wife. And she's like, I hate this guy. And here's what I'm going to do. You need to let people know I'm going to kill him like I'm coming after him. Right. And in verse three of chapter 19, Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. He just started running. OK. And when he came to Beersheba, and we're in verse 3 of chapter 19, when he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, and he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. 
He said, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. And he looked. There was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked for 40 days and 40 nights. All right, that's, that's incredible, if you hadn't already figured that out. To Horeb, the mountain of God, he entered caves there and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and he said, you know, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Okay, this was not planned. This was Elijah being scared, okay? And again, I want you to think about times in your life that you've been scared and said, I just want to run, okay? I need to get away from what's scaring me, all right? I need to get away here, all right? And one of the things that God said is, okay, while you're running, listen, I'm going to put you in a place of solitude, okay? It's, and, and hopefully there's some comfort in that. There's some comfort in God not going, hey, you're going to run? I got nothing for you, man. Like, could you imagine if somebody in here, if one of us performed some like crazy miracle that everyone saw. And then the next day, tomorrow, when you see that person and they're totally scared running away, you would go, what are you scared for? Like, you're the one that did a miracle. You're the one that got like, I have no sympathy for you. Like you're scared of something, but God clearly just worked through you. Okay, here's how oftentimes human beings like we think is, okay, I have no excuse. God just did something powerful in my life, and now I'm running away scared? Of course he doesn't want anything to do with me. Why would he? Right? Like in our minds, we can kind of think like God is like, I, psh, there's other people. I don't know, Why am I wasting my time on you? You're scared and you're running away. Hopefully this is a little bit comforting for God to know, listen, I'm not done with that guy. All right? I've got things to say. And in fact, when he left, he, again, Maybe I'm just like deflecting and like all of my own junk, okay? But I will say this, is I think as people, oftentimes it's easier to hear like something that's negative than something that's positive, right? It's easier to think of something like a punishment from God rather than a blessing from God, all right? Because we're never kind of good enough to get that, like, like that blessing oftentimes. We think, but I just messed up. Like, why would you give me something except what's amazing is is, yeah, you wonder what? Elijah was being faithless, and he was totally seeing with his own eyes. And somehow God was like, I need to feed this guy, though. Like, i got to feed him. That, that right there, we, we need to kind of stop and think, because that oftentimes is the opposite of what we think about God. Hey, man, I just messed up. He's not going to provide anything for me. Except he's like, no, I'm going to give you enough, and in fact, I'm going to give you so much, not just a little bit, I'm going to give you enough that you can walk for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, like it's not scarcity. It's not like, hey, let me just give you. Okay, man, listen, if you had done the right thing, I'd give you lots of stuff. But you didn't do the right thing, so I'm going to give you just a little bit. Huh? He's like, I'm going to fill your belly for six weeks. All right. Why do I bring that up? Just hopefully we don't get to control this. But I hope that our, the way we think about God is different. In the sense that, okay, I might have messed up and screwed up and totally been like off the chain with my faith. And to know, isn't it great to know that God is like, I'm still going to provide, like, in abundance. 
Okay, that, that, that sometimes is almost more difficult to hear than for me to preach a sermon saying like, hey, you did this wrong, here's what God's going to do to you. And here's why he's angry at you. And here's why he doesn't have enough. Like, it's almost easier to hear those things. And we can read a story like Elijah and go, oh, man, this is like really cool what he does right here. And then, in fact, he, he reveals himself later. God reveals himself where? Up in a cave somewhere. All right. Again, God is like, he's going to hear my voice, but he's going to have to get away from people and things. Right. There's this unplanned solitude. There's also unjust solitude. Okay. Have you ever realized that? Like in the Bible, there is injustice. Like I think a lot of times we think like, no, man, I mean, what, what, what we're going through today in our time is so new. And God doesn't know what to do with injustice. God has no idea. In fact, he, he's, what he requires is for us to come. Let me move this. Is he requires us to come up with some plan to change everything, okay? Turn over to Genesis chapter 21, okay? So here's the thing is you're familiar with Isaac, right, and Ishmael. Now, if, if you're a religious history person, um, if, if you're all about that, let me... Let me let me burst a couple balloons here, okay? Please don't ever say that Ishmael are the Muslims. Don't ever say that. <laughs> it's absolutely wrong. <laughs> okay, and that's, you may be going, I've never heard that. That is like one of the most, prof- that's one of the most like prolific teachings from evangelical Christianity. Is this idea of, oh, Isaac and Ishmael were separated by God, and Isaac is the chosen people, and Ishmael are these people that we have to fight a war with. All right? So we, we've got to be really, really careful here. And I'll show you why, because we're going to read this here. In Genesis chapter 21, we're going, well, you mean there was injustice here? Well, let's look at this. Verse 14. So here's what you had. You had Isaac, you had Ishmael. Um, so um, well, let's just start reading right here in the top of verse 21 instead of me trying to explain it. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God told him, Abraham named him a son who was born to him. The one Sarah bore to him was Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred when Isaac was born. Sarah said, well, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I born a son for him in his old age. The child grew and was weaned. And Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking. Who is that? His older brother Ishmael. Right? His older brother where, where Abraham had taken it into his own hands. He had heard God say, you and Sarah are going to have a baby in your old age. And it wasn't happening. Like it wasn't happening fast enough. Okay? And I don't mean it was a couple weeks he was waiting. I'm talking about decades. All right? And it wasn't happening. He's like, well, he, what he must have meant was that one of my servants, Hagar, let's do, do it that way. And so Sarah was like, sounds good to me. Okay? So this Right there, that alone is like, hey, but that sounds good, right? There's ways that we think sound good that aren't God's ways, right? And so anyway, Abraham and Hagar slept together, and there you have Ishmael, okay? 
And then you have Ishmael growing up. Well, then all of a sudden the plan of God was Sarah was going to have a baby. And there's Isaac right there. Well, here's the deal. Okay, dysfunctional family. All right. You understand what we're doing here? Could you, could you imagine like that you're going, hold on a minute. Dad has a child from the lady who takes care of, the, but then mom has a son too. And wow, this is kind of dysfunctional. How's God going to work through this? Okay. And then he goes up and then can you imagine like Sarah, she's not too happy with Ishmael, right? Because another woman slept with her husband. So can you imagine kind of like, I don't like that lady and I don't like her son either. Right. And she sees her son mocking Isaac. And he said uh, in verse 10, so, so she said to Abraham, drive out this slave with her son for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. Now, this was a very difficult thing for Abraham because of his son. But God said to Abraham, don't be concerned about the boy and your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her because your offspring will be traced through Isaac Okay, but I'll also make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. All right. Now, is there any part of this that you listen to and you're going, that's not fair, though. Like, that's not fair at all that you're going to send this lady away. She didn't do anything. She was a servant. She was told by the person who was her master to do something. And she bore a son. And now because his wife is upset, I've got to go and leave. All right. There should be some. And it's OK to wrestle with this stuff in the Bible to go, man, this this doesn't seem fair. Why didn't God stop it? In fact, God not only didn't stop it. He's like, hey, Abraham, it's going to be OK. OK, it's going to be OK because my lineage is going to come from you. OK, but listen, I won't forget Ishmael. I'll make him into a great nation as well. All right. You go, well, who is that? I don't know. All right. But this isn't about like this idea of we're always going to be in war and it's Islam versus Christianity and all these things. OK. Um, and so um, verse 14, early in the morning, Abraham got up. He took bread and a water skin. He put them on Hagar's shoulders and sent the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Right. She is this. There is this unjust solitude. And she's just, she's got her boy. She's left. She's wandering through the wilderness. The water in the skin was gone. She left the boy under one of the bushes. She went out and sat down nearby about a bow shot away. And she said, I cannot bear to watch this boy die. And she sat nearby and she wept loudly. God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called the Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid for God has heard the voice of the boy from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up and support him, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. OK, again, here, here's the thing. Everybody, to a certain degree, something's happened and will happen and will happen later. And that is just unjust. It's just not fair. And there's different levels of injustice. Okay. And what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't stand up to injustice or speak out or something like that. But what I am saying is, is that if we lose sight of the fact that God understands things that we don't, we're going to become like rogue, independent warriors making the world worse. All right. Because what's amazing about this, and again, in the midst of injustice, God telling um, Hagar, listen, it's going to be okay. And I'm not just going to give you a little bit of water. I'm going to give you a well of water. 
All right. I'm just not going to like send you off so you find a town that you can grow up in. I'm going to make your son a great nation. All right. Isn't that amazing? Again, this might even like twist your theology of God a little bit. You mean God is blessing somebody that aren't his people? <laughs> right. That, that's weird. OK, that, that all of a sudden is like, what on earth? God can't bless not people who aren't his. Well, he does. And he did. Well, how did he do that? Because he's God, like he's king, okay? And it's that idea of us going, okay, God, if you decide that you want to do that and you want to take this, this child from Hagar and build him into a great nation, all that kind of stuff, you want to know what? Amen, God, I'm with you on that, all right? And so you have this unjust, and again, why I bring this up is just because it may need to be kind of a, a, a reframing of our own thinking, right, when it comes to injustice that happens to us. When things aren't fair and we think that, man, God isn't like, where is he in this? And we're going, hold on a minute. He's there. Right. Maybe the question needs to be, God, what are you teaching me? Like, what road do you want me to go down on now? Like, what is it like we need to in these seasons of like this unjust solitude is really like, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Rather than oftentimes when things aren't fair, we lash out. Right. We tend to like go and like want to take things into our own hands. Right. And so we see this example right here. Um, and then the third thing was this spirit-led solitude. Matthew chapter 4. This is, this is one of those moments where it says Jesus went into the wilderness because the spirit led him there. I don't know what that looked like. All right? I don't know what that looked like. It says that he, the spirit led him. Did that mean that there was like some voice that led him there? Did, did that mean that there was some kind of like sign? Was there something that he just kind of like knew or something like that? We're like, it, the text doesn't tell us. All right. There's this spirit led solitude. This is one of the most difficult to talk about because it's that idea of going, do you think God has stopped doing that? I don't think so. I think maybe we're more of a people who are less connected to the Holy Spirit. So maybe we aren't engaging in that as much. Right. But there is this spirit-led solitude of like, Jesus, you're going into the wilderness, okay? John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Jesus was in the wilderness. Elijah was in, I mean, there really is this, this great theme of, of being led into the wilderness, right? And so I don't have anything for you on that one other than to say one of the reasons that we talk about like, like different spiritual disciplines and different things like that is, is that we get connected to God and the Holy Spirit. And we're not waiting for some feeling to come into us. That's not the point at all. But it's this idea of clearly knowing what the Spirit is telling us to do. Right? And so, again, these are all of these, these little simple things. Uh, you know, s sometimes as disciples we can go, man, what's the big deal about a quiet time? What's the big deal? You mean you got to read your Bible every day? You mean you got to pray every day? What's the big deal? I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to be doing all these things. I don't. But the truth of the matter is, is those disciplines are the very things that like get us connected with God. And, and, and I don't mean like we do this and so now we're connected. I mean like, listen, the connection can be kind of fuzzy, right? There's a lot of interference in our world, right? Technological interference, TV, entertainment, music, whatever it is, there's all this interference, and there isn't anything that clears up interference for me more than the Word of God and prayer. Okay, so I don't know if people go, but he's just a legalist for doing it. I'm going, but I, listen, I'm just telling you experientially, I've done it both ways. 
Okay? All I know is the interference is gone when I'm in God's Word and I'm praying on a regular basis. Okay? So we have this idea of Spirit-led. Here's the one we're just going to talk for a second about here because it's something me and you actually can make a decision about. Okay? It's intentional solitude. All right? This is like we actually can make a decision to decide I'm going to go and spend time away and alone. Here's the most difficult part of this. Is starting it. That, that's the most difficult part. Is actually going, okay, here's what's going to happen. These are the decisions because every life in here, you're busy. You've got a lot going on, even if you're busy, like relaxing. Right? <laughs> like I'm busy relaxing here. Okay? It's this intentional. What are the expectations? Okay? Is it like, hey, let me go find a cave for like 40 days and that's what's going to make God happy? No. Listen, wherever we are, there, there may be somebody in here and you're like, Keith, I, I set aside eight hours a day of just plain solitude. Like, how can I be challenged? Okay, then, then let's, well, for you, we'll move it up a little bit, okay? For most of us learning, listen, part of being a disciple is just learning how to do these. It's just learning how to do it, all right? Would you, would you yell at a two or a three-year-old because they didn't know how to pay a bill? You're like, what's your problem, right? I mean, because you've got to grow up and learn, right? And it's the same with this. And we do live in this world that doesn't necessarily, like, exalt solitude as something positive in our spiritual life, right? In Mark chapter 1, this is like, the, the, listen, this is the low-hanging fruit of solitude right here, okay? It says that Jesus just went off early in the morning to pray. All right, that's like the simple one. Mark 1, verse 35. Jesus would go off alone. It's, it's interesting. He must have had like a little place he went because his guys at times knew where to go find him when he was alone. Okay? But it said he would, he would go off alone. And, and I just want to mention one more thing. This is Jesus. <laughs> okay? Going, well, what does he know? It's Jesus. <laughs> okay? I mean, if there's anybody that was like, I don't need to go off alone, it's him. There's anybody who was like, I don't need to pray. It's him. But there was something about this. He's like, I got to get away from all you guys. I got to just get away somewhere that's quiet, right? That I can think, that I can pray, that I can sing, that I can just meditate, right? He did it. Luke chapter 5. Let's go over there and look at this one. Luke chapter 5. Luke 5, verse 15. All right, so Jesus is becoming more popular. But the news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him, to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Okay? So, so think about this for a second. There were people that needed help. And Jesus thought it would be best for him to go off to a deserted place and pray. Like, let, let that sink in for a second. All right. All right. If, if you're from my school of thinking, all right, if you're from my school of thinking, it's this idea of going, but dude, there are so many lost people in the world. There is so much going on. Like, I can't even reschedule a single meeting because that's going to ruin things. And, and Jesus is going, can you imagine the large crowds coming up and he's like, guys, I've got to go and withdraw to a lonely place and pray. 
right? That's crazy. Why is it that, and, and again, I'm, I'm preaching to me here. My, my school of thought is work hard and sleep later as a disciple. Okay, hey man, work hard, sleep later. Work hard and be, you know, do something. And, and I'm going, but hold on, it's interesting. If I was hanging with Jesus, it seems like with that philosophy, Jesus would be like, what's your problem? Like, like I have to retreat from people. But, but Keith, you think you can do all of these things and not back away from the crowd and not back away from the needs, right? Because there's a theology in our minds that if we aren't like present to do something, it's not going to get done, right? And so what we end up having is, is, is you know what, preachers, they, they complain all the time about like this 80-20 rule. Right, like there's 20% of people doing all the work, and they, you know, whatever. I'll, I don't even know how it's completely said. All, all it is is like it isolates like this 20% of people to do everything, all right? And the 80%, you know what they're doing? They're going, see that 20%? I don't want to be anything like them. <laughs> they're all worn out. <laughs> Look at those guys. If fine, if they're going to do it, fine. But that's what happens a lot of times. And if you're in the 20%, it's really easy to kind of like you look down your nose. You're like, oh, man, why don't you guys get it together? And what's sad is sometimes maybe the 20%, maybe we don't, maybe we aren't looking like Jesus. <laughs> right? To where people are going, why would I want what you have? You know, you run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Okay? That's a real thing, by the way, if you cut a chicken's head off. It's nuts, okay? Like, try, no, no, don't try it, okay? <laughs> but not with my chicken. I've only got one left. Um, but, so, um, so anyway, why do I say all this stuff? Is, is, it's most difficult here to begin with and go, okay, I'm going to start somewhere, all right? And there's usually like three different kind of like spheres for us to begin in. One is like, what does solitude look like on a daily basis? Like, what will it look like in your life, okay? Because what you're not going to get from me is an Excel spreadsheet to help you learn this. All right? Is <laughs> y'all grown-ups in here. Is what will it look like in your life? What will it faithfully look like? All right? And, and understand something, that, that what you put down might be different than what Ben puts down. It might be different than what Summer and Mike puts down, okay? Our goal isn't how can I, like, keep up with everyone, but what does it look like faithfully in your life? Daily. And then here's what I would say is, is, is you've got to kind of figure this out is like over the course of a month or two or three months, what would it look like to like set aside eight or nine hours? Could, could you do that within a three month schedule? What I mean by that is going, okay, I'm going to get up one morning and I'm just going to go away. Maybe I'm going to go to the woods. Maybe I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm just going to spend eight or nine hours and I don't have anything to do. I'm, I'm not having my phone on. I'm not having music on. I'm not having my laptop on. Nothing. It's just me and God's word and maybe a notebook. Right? Do you feel like that could be doable? If you don't, if you're going, that's way overwhelming for me. Like, okay, because there are. There are people that are like, I can't be away from people that long. All right? is can you do four hours? Can you do two? Maybe one, right? Like, well, which one's the right answer? It's not the right answer. It's each one of us deciding, like, what will this look like in my life? And if after an hour and a half I'm, like, having a panic attack, then, hey, don't push to eight hours, okay? You know, you come back and you're completely frazzled. You're like, man, that solitude time was great, right? <laughs> man, it was really awesome. I went eight hours and, like, you know... <laughs> The, the paramedics had to come and find me. 
All right? That, that's not a smart thing. This isn't like who can go the longest, all right? This is about faithfully looking at it and going, okay, well, how do we do this? How do we intentionally take some time and like a time of solitude, okay? What does it look like? <clears throat> so what, what's required? Uh, God's word, okay? This is the important part. Is um, Jacob and Elijah and even Jesus at that time, okay? Like, he didn't have what we have of the New Testament right now, okay? He did have the Hebrew Bible for sure, okay? But you go back to the early patriarchs, like we just read about Jacob and Elijah, all right? And God had to, like, speak. Like, they didn't have a reference to go to, okay? For us today, here's what we have. Like, we have the Word of God that we can trust that this is God speaking to us. Are there other ways He speaks to us? Absolutely. All right? But, but this for certain, okay? So what do we need? We need the Word of God. We, we need this, like a desire to hear the Word of God. All right? This is the thing right here. If you're going to go off in solitude and go, well, He said this is going to work. I don't think it's going to work, so let me go and do this. It's not going to work. It's this idea of, do I have a desire to hear what God has to say to me? Do I really, really want that, right? And really, wisdom and humility. Ecclesiastes 5, one of the things he says in Ecclesiastes 5 is, hey, be careful when you go up to to the Lord, when you go up to the temple, like, watch your words. Like, don't speak rashly. Like, go up and just, hey, (laughs) speak slowly and rarely, all right? There's a time in solitude to just be quiet, okay? And then the simple part is finding the time and finding a quiet place, all right? It's finding that. You can go out into the woods. If you don't feel safe out in the woods, you can go somewhere. Everybody's different. You can go on a rooftop. I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of places. Again, hopefully you're not waiting for me to give you those answers, okay? Like, what's in your neighborhood and all these things? Um, But really, what's required? And um, again, the toughest thing is, is just deciding that we're going to go and do it. Your place of solitude on a daily basis may very well be in your bedroom. All right. It doesn't have to be in nature. It, very, it might be your front room. Right? It might be walking around your neighborhood. Maybe something like that. Maybe you have your place. Okay? But it's this idea of what will it look like? Like this solitude where I actually turn things off around me. Like, but I really, I do better spiritually with music on. Okay? Here's the deal. Then sing like a psalm. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. All right, because again, it's like, yeah, we like music, but a lot of times it's just we like stimulation to our to what we're, we, we're we're thinking of all these different things. Then stop and sing, sing a psalm, right? Then, then go ahead and do that. But I really would encourage like turn it all off. All right, any kind of like whatever you know what I'm talking about. So here's what I'm hopeful for. Okay, um, so so when I was in college, I had to take a anatomy cadaver anatomy. It's like pre med stuff, right? And so we worked on a cadaver the whole semester. And and you all know what the thing about this? What's really neat? What God does? He created us as human beings, and man, it's wonderful on the outside. Okay, <laughs> it's really cool. It's cool on the inside too. But there's a reason God covered us with skin. Okay. I'm just saying. And, and here's what I'll tell you. All right. The more we like dissected and opened up and like kept digging through it, 
kind of the less kind of, it's just like, oh, okay, it's not that, I don't feel like, I feel like we kind of ruined the, the mystery a little bit. You know, it's kind of like, you, you're like, oh, that's what a heart looks like. That's what an aorta looks like. Oh, that's what this looks like. And it's kind of like, man, the, the mystery of humanity can kind of be, why do I say all that? Is sometimes we can take spiritual things and we dissect them so much, like the beauty of the mystery is gone. All right. It's we want to know every little piece. And, and really the best thing to do is go, hey, we just go and like do it and, and learn from it. Right. Hopefully we didn't dissect it so much that you're going, oh, dang, that was cool at the beginning. But I don't know so much now. But we want to be still. Right. We want to know that God is our refuge. We want to know those things of setting this time aside. And so, um, again, just like this little bit of transition, because what we've been doing recently has been our communion right after um, our sermon. Um, is this is really an opportune moment as we think about Jesus, right? As we think about him, first of all, knowing that, man, Jesus, you got led to the, to the wilderness. You had to pray. You had to do all these things that sometimes we feel well, like we don't, all right? But when we acknowledge Jesus and his death, right, this idea of God sent this king to sacrifice for us and that he rose again and I mean, just this amazing, like, wonder of God's death, burial, and resurrection, all right? These are sometimes times to take a moment to think about that and, and maybe in humility to go, you know what, man, I've kind of been doing it on my own for a long time. And if our king came down to really show us this incredible power, right, why do I think I have to take charge of everything? Why is it that I can't ever set time aside? Why, can't, why is it bad for, for me to not have my hands in everything? All right. But really, what's the most convicting thing is to be at the foot of the cross, right? To be at the tomb, to see an empty tomb. That's what really does hopefully inspire us and change us. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC. 